What is up, guys? Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. What I'm going to be doing with this show is actually showing you guys what exactly you need to look for prior to buying, building, selling, or even renting a home. I'm going to bring in some of the top people in the industry so we can dive deeper into discussion about these topics and really give you guys the tools you need to learn and know prior to making one of the biggest purchases of your lifetime. So with that being said, guys, welcome to The Real Build. So welcome to The Real Build. I am your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And today I have a guest coming from Orange County, California. She is a real estate professional, entrepreneur, investor, and podcast host offering outstanding qualifications from extensive work experience, knowledgeable in real estate, residential real estate, specialized assets, distressed property, short sale, pre-foreclosure and foreclosure, and mortgage lending with a proven ability in sales, lead generation, acquisitions, and relationship management. That was a mouthful. She is, she is armed with exceptional interpersonal skills and building strong rapport with colleagues and professionals of all levels. She believes that what you put out into the world comes back. I'm a big believer in that too. In addition to her professional career in real estate, her passion is to be of service to others and that is carried out through her volunteer work and sharing inspirational stories on her podcast, 8 Billion. Great podcast. Go check that out. I got the opportunity to be on it. Lisa, Florida, welcome to The Real Build. I'm happy to have you on. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for actually having me in exchange for you being in, I mean, you being on 8 billion just a few weeks ago. Actually, that podcast is going to be coming out in about a couple of weeks. So, yeah, yeah. Like after our conversation, I had to have you on because me and you are actually after your show started hitting some topics too that actually will benefit my show. One of them being kind of you specialize in the short sale pro uh, pre foreclosure foreclosure arena we kind of discussed this prior to we have a lot of people we're dealing with in the real estate world right now a lot of people buying low inventory situations so uh this is going to be a great discussion i'm happy to have you on today but i always like to get started with you talking about who you are your background so who is lisa florida well, thank you, Bill, for the wonderful introduction. <laughs> it's always so nice to get introduced on all different <laughs> levels um, and share, you know, I was like, wow, I actually did that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes, everyone. Hello, audience. My name is Lisa Florida. I am a residential real estate um, expert and specialist coming from Orange County, California. I have been in real estate for 22 years. It is a, a real estate family-owned boutique firm currently owned by me and my siblings. And um, like I said, um, uh, there is so much to know about me, but that would be my professional background. A big part of what I do now too, is I have a podcast called 8 Billion. It is a passion project that shares inspirational stories because I am a big believer in personal development and spiritual growth. I believe that becomes the fuel to anything uh, for anyone to inspire them to do really well in their career and their personal life and their family life and all around together. So if that in a general sense helps out, I'm happy to give that as an introduction to myself. If you want to know more details, I'm happy to give that as well. 
I'm a single mom, actually, from uh, Southern, uh, for a 16-year-old son. And that's been quite a journey in and of itself, but it's a very fulfilling one. It's taught me so much as an individual and as a, as a strong woman to, you know, kind of be able to use everything that I've learned in personal development and also try and teach it to my son at such an early age. Um, I also, um, in my career in real estate, I have taught because we specialize in short sales, pre-foreclosure or distressed management assets. I've taught on those levels. Um, we were um, real estate uh, specialists or we represented six banks from 2008 to 2013. Um, some of them being Bank of America, which was formerly countrywide and turned into Bank of America. Wells Fargo was another bank, Old Republic and so on and so forth. You can look those up in LinkedIn. And again, like I'm happy to share any of uh, you know my you know, expanded expertise to anyone that wants to know more details about any of the banks that we represented. Well, you definitely have a lot of expertise and that's why I'm happy to have you on today too, just because you specialize in so many things. Obviously that was a mouthful on the intro too. <laughs> so I know I'm ha really happy to have you on. I mean, one thing I'll hit on too, like, like we talked about this more open conversation is how important your per the personal development journey is in all aspects of you know, just life in general, but on top of your business too. I mean, you doing the podcast that you're doing, the 8 billion podcasts is very motivational, very inspiring too. And I mean, how has that journey for you contributed towards your real estate career? You know, it's really interesting because in, in a way, you know, like the 8 billion podcast, the premise is really inspirational stories. It almost, yes, I do have real estate, you know, uh, real estate specialists such as yourself that have gone on and other ones. I Season two actually happens to have a lot of heavy, heavy hitter real estate people. And that's just because now I think the both, both the worlds are merging. Mm -hmm. Now, how has it been in contribution? What's been really neat is even in sharing inspirational stories and, you know, like getting to interview book authors, speakers, community leaders, they all know that the basis of my uh, professional career is real estate. So they'll either sometimes either have questions, uh, you know what I mean? Or like I said, it kind of merges also with like personal development. There's not one person, there's not one single person that can't benefit from personal development, wherever mm. you are in life and at, what, at, at whatever age. So it's definitely um, been really big for me, even on just the career side, yeah. but even more expansive on the, just the personal and spiritual growth, most especially because of the times we're in right now, currently coming from the pandemic, trying to figure out if the world is opening up. So many people are reaching in and actually asking themselves, am I doing, am I really doing what I want to do? Am I contributing to my career the way that I can completely contribute, right? From a different aspect now in life as we move into different times. So I know that was another mouthful, but hopefully that all made sense in terms of like how having the podcast contributed to, you know, even my professional career. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, I, I started my personal development journey probably, I think, two years now. And, and we talked about it on your podcast, how much it actually changed me and kind of molded me to where I am today, too. There, it's, you are right. There are, is so much negativity in this world right now. 
I mean, you turn on the TV and any kind of news, even my local news, like I can't even really watch. I just, I'll maybe watch it to see what the weather is going to be, but you can do that on your phone now. So I stopped watching it totally uh, just because it's like, you know, all you hear is COVID, 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 people lining up or, you know, and then you hear there's, it's just one thing after the other. And so, you know, I don't watch many, much news. I don't, there's people that are like, did you hear about this? I'm like, wait, what happened? You know, cause I mostly just keep it on kind of sports in the background. Uh, and, yeah. and that one you can at least keep on, on, uh, you know, on yeah. the go. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, cause I, I always like, I do a lot of work at night and so on, but it's just, it's, it's just the negativity will drain you. And there's so much of it in this world, but with personal development too, it kind of just, it makes you figure out how to get away from that in different ways. And obviously just work on yourself. I'm just a big believer in investing in yourself in all aspects because it helps you with your business as well. It all reflects back to your business and how you deal with people and, and how you want to help people and so on. So I'm just a big advocate on it. Yes, absolutely. And, and once you start going down that route, to be honest with you, most people that I've known in the personal development or have gone down that route have never stopped. They've evolved yeah. more and their businesses have gotten better. Their relationships have gotten yeah. better. Oh, I mean, yeah. You even shared how big personal development personal development practice was for you. It literally changed the trajectory of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. you ended up not, you know, you ended up getting divorced and now you're in a different position. It, it's life changing on many levels. Yeah, it really is. So let's discuss you know, let's get shipped back to your real estate career. So why real estate? Why did you get involved in it? Like, what was your reasoning over other careers you could have chose? So why did you choose real estate? So that one is going to be easy, guys. I uh, <laughs> is family business. So my mother okay. was in real estate. She first, you know, she migrated from the Philippines in the 60s, started out as an accountant, a CPA. And then, of course, that led her into, uh, you know, she was, of course, doing taxes for people and said, you know what, you need a tax shelter. And real estate is a really great tax shelter. And so from there, she was like, well, I'm telling everyone to buy real estate. I might as well go into it. And from there, she started a very thriving career in real estate and then uh, started a business and we grew up in it. So naturally, me and my siblings all got our real estate licenses at 18. That's why I'm in it now for close to like 22 years. I'm not even sure if I did the math right. Maybe it's even longer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's how I got into it. It was a family business started by my mom. Uh, she no longer, we lost my mom in 2018, but now my siblings and I have taken over the business. And it's just been something that's embedded in us. It's, uh, you know, like even if I, and I think I I shared this with you when I interviewed you for 8 billion. Yeah, there was times I, I, I left the business, but you can't, if it's a family business, you can't completely remove yourself from it. Right. Because you're, you know, when you're with family, you're talking about real estate transactions. If everyone's doing it, you know, I, I knew the market. So, um, and I was deeply embedded in it, especially during the uh, mortgage meltdown years, which was 2018 to maybe 2013, 15, depends, you know, what areas you were in. Um, but I, you know, I, I feel that even if it was something that not, I can't say that I was really forced into it because ultimately if I wanted to veer away from it, you know, and, and I did a few times, you know, in, during that time period, um, my, you know, my mom never stopped me, but it was just something so like the back of my hands, like I knew it. 
And I was fortunate enough that my mom had actually taught us and put us into the business early on that, you know, it's something, you know, that became a part of, you know, I, I think you shared the same yeah. you know the same almost background as well right you tried different things and then you actually came back to what you knew because it yeah. was it was almost instilled in you at a young age yeah and you go back to you know kind of it's like you say you go back to what you knew but it's like play the card you've been dealt i'm i'm a big advocate on that line on that belief too as is you every you know everybody's dealt a certain hand and we all play it and you can either play it right or you can play it the wrong way but it's just like with business you grow up in these businesses you know it like the back of your hand it was a love hate thing for me like i hated digging ditches doing all that kind of stuff too growing up and kind of being a laborer and not really seeing any pathway at a young age into it like you weren't i was just thinking about how much i hated digging a ditch and <laughs> and you know and you're like i'm not going to i'm not going to do this forever i want to try different things you go and you experience different businesses and so on but you grow up to love it and, and it's been a part of your life and you, and you know it more than anybody. And it's like, why not utilize what you know and do it better too? And, and that's the thing I have a respect for my dad and what he's created on the business level, but I've also helped grow the company as well too, and make it better by doing things that he didn't know how to do as well. So, you know, and that's my overall goal too, is to grow that company even bigger to something that, you know, beyond his expectations as well and and you know it's his it's he started it and let's make it better you know that's the thing and make it bigger and keep keep the growth and no i i mean you are a lot alike in that aspect of you know growing up in a business and really utilizing what you've learned and because you work in it i mean you you just know it like the back of your hand yeah you do and who would have known right now like as we evolve that the marketing would end up becoming podcasts. It would become social media, right? It's now just taking the best of what you have on top of the, the, the years of experience and now taking it to another level. That's the advantage you have. But sometimes technology is advancing on so many levels. It's so hard to keep up. Like there's new platforms like Clubhouse, you know? Uh, that's another platform that everyone's kind of jumping on to for, you know, like, because because we still can't do live events as much yet because of the pandemic, a lot of speakers have gone on and it's almost like a live podcast type platform. So it's growing leaps and bounds mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, on top of what we already have to pay attention to, which is our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that, and I tried doing clubhouse. I mean, it's just on top of podcasting and social media and then trying to do that every week and then people inviting me onto theirs and it just, there's only one of me. I have to remember that sometimes. And, you know, that was the thing with that. It's just, there's so many outlets that you can utilize to, you know, grow and get better now more than ever before offered in history. And that's the thing is like, you know, we have to figure out how to utilize them. Podcasting be one of, to be one of them. And obviously what, what we're doing, we're helping people in the process. That's what this show is all about too. It's kind of helping people with some of the biggest decisions of their lives too. So that's what's important with it. Um, So obviously being in real estate too, we talked about how you specialize in the short sale, pre foreclosure and foreclosure world. Now, 
me and you talked about this and as we know we're in a crazy market uh, a lot of areas very high demand in a lot of areas outside of cities people trying to buy in suburbs and so on florida is nuts right now where mm-hmm. i'm at with just no inventory and a ton of demand things are starting to skyrocket as far as pricing build costs are going up at a steady pace so it's like where do we see the market from here do we see this staying do we see this and this is a big topic you know because obviously i've had past real estate professionals on this show we've kind of talked about how they do business and so on but me and you are getting as real estate professionals we're getting this major question is how do you see the market? Where do you see the market going? You know, they're putting their trust in us. I wish we were fortune tellers. I wish we can, <laughs> you know, sometimes tell when everything might pull back a little bit or is it going to crash? You know, so I wanted to have a discussion with you. Uh, you know, this is a huge topic. We can probably go on for an hour on this topic alone. So, yeah. As far as market, let's talk about what you're seeing first in your area. I'm sure it's similar to mine and we'll kind of go from there. Yes. So I, you know, before I I dive into it, Bill, what I did want to say is yes, I know this podcast might take us in so many different areas, you know, to so many different questions. Yeah, which is good. So I'm happy to always come back if you ever have an audience that had specific questions that I can answer. Because this market is very, very unique. And that's what the first thing that I wanted everyone to do is understand that I know that I'm coming from Southern California as a licensed real estate agent. Now I'm not licensed in all other 49 States. So I understand that the laws are completely different. I'm going to try and give you guys the best general sense of where I believe the market is going, not only in Southern California, but things to pay attention to, because then it can be helpful to your audience. Mm -hmm. So as we know right now, historically, the rates are completely low, right? And that's why there's this huge demand. There's there's not as much, uh, there's a high demand for inventory and, you know, and a lot of, you know, demand for housing. However, what we do have is we are still technically in the pandemic. We're about a year out from it. Lots of things are shifting because of, you know, like the vaccines are coming out. So things seem to be opening up. However, one big thing that is in place right now is the moratorium of writing, which is extended to September of this year, 2021, which originally was when we went into the pandemic last March, it was only supposed to be for one year. Now, the moratorium, if people don't understand what that is, uh, the moratorium has allowed for a lot of those people that have been affected and can't make mortgage payments to extend their mortgage payments to the back end of their loan. Now, this is different from the mortgage meltdown. And what you have to understand is when there's there are there's a difference between the forbearance place, the forbearance laws in place now than there were back in the mortgage meltdown. The mortgage right now, the forbearance allows you to take whatever mortgage payments you're not making and tack it onto the back end. So if say for instance, you've been what I believe the law was is they allowed you to do it for one year. Right now, they've extended it another six months. So in some cases, some people might be 18 months in forbearance. Now, those 18 months get tacked onto the very end of yours. So it's not like it it piles up. So the difference between the mortgage meltdown forbearance plans that are in place back then, as opposed to now, is these mortgage payments go to the back end. 
Whereas the ones in, in the mortgage meltdown, they would accumulate. And when that ended, you would go up to the, you know, or you would contact your banks and make a negotiation of how you would pay that back, whether it gets modified as a loan, whether they say, no, you owe all six months in, you know, in one big lump sum or we can't. So that's probably the difference right now that you're going to notice that's huge. Okay. Mm-hmm. So What's happening is it it is a much better forbearance program right now with COVID. What you don't what what is the the big uh, things in question and in place is it's an unforeseen circumstance that has affected so many different people and from all different walks of life, the service industry, small business owners, and you can't identify those pocket areas as demographics. Mm-hmm. Right. All you could say is, OK, maybe service industry was heavily affected or small business owners. Did they have enough to sustain themselves? Was there enough money that they got? But then again, you're also understanding they're also homeowners and where do they live? So across the board, that's going to be the situation for everyone. So if they're asked, if you're going to ask me from an expertise T standpoint, like, do I believe that there is going to be some type of softening of the market? I do especially after September of 2021. How, and I only say that because I follow a lot of real estate experts whom I believe that through time I've watched them and they are right. Now, these in particular, and I'll give the names if, you're, if, you, if you'd like me to actually share yeah. them as a resource. So what, a few here, guys, that I, I follow on YouTube are Ken McElroy, McElroy, sorry, hopefully Ken, you won't. And I'll, you know what I'll do is I'll, I'm I'm not sure. Is this podcast live? No, no, but I'll I'll launch, this one will be launched this upcoming Sunday. So those of you listening, that would be, what's the date? Uh, That would be on the 28th. So this one will launch the 28th. And then what you can do is just share uh, what I'll do is I'll email you everyone that I listed. And then if you want to put it in the description, I'll share it. Yeah, yeah. I'll share it in there. So Ken McElroy is one. Chris Crone is another one. And Neil Bawa are, are YouTube real estate specialists that whom I follow. And they actually report on a national level. So they're not just specific and they, they report on residential and they pr- report on commercial. So those are some great YouTube people that I follow on a regular basis. I listen to their weekly or whenever they put out podcasts. Um, another thing to do is, you know, you need to understand your local markets. Because like I said, if this is a nationwide audience that I'm talking to, me talking about Southern California is not going to help you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Because, we, we're, you know, we have, we have different bubbles that are in each area. Yeah. So um, your resources like on online are going to be like Realty Track is going to be one. And, and like I said, I'm going to email these to you so you can put in there. Black Knight is another one. And then ATM or so I'll, I'll spell that out. I'm, I'm not too sure exactly the, the spellings, but I'll, I'll provide that to you, Bill, so you can actually put that on the description. Okay. And these are going to be websites where you can actually hone in on specific, really specific things that you want. You want to know pre-foreclosures or defaults, you know what I mean, in, in single-family residence, in multifamily commercial. And then they also, in some cases, depending on like, you know, which website you go to, it'll show you the top areas that are going through big defaults right now. Now, some of them are going to be in the in the multifamily commercial uh, apartment space. And then some of them are going to be 
in the residential area. But these are all statistics you really want to pay attention to, especially those that are going to be con you know, concerning your local areas, you know, because it's, it's interesting, depending on which website, there are different areas that are affected, but they'll mm -hmm. give like their top tens. Okay. So, yeah, once in, so going back to just if I feel like there is going to be a bubble, like I do believe that we are, the market is going to soften and there is a bubble that's going to be happening to the degree of the, the mortgage meltdown. No. And these are the factors why back in the mortgage meltdown, what was happening was it was so easy to get loans. And I don't know if that was the case for you. If you remember the yeah. market back then, right. You, all you needed was a pulse and, you know, cause you had stated, you know, stated income, stated assets. Mm -hmm. So it was so easy. And as long as you had the credit scores, you could get a loan. So in essence, you got people that were not reporting their true incomes. And as long as they had the FICO scores and the down payments, they could actually get into hundred percent financing, right? They can get into hundred percent financing, which was an introductory small interest rate, which was interest only, divided by 12, that gave you small, like that gave you affordable mortgage payments. What people didn't understand was after a year, people were banking on the equity they were earning on their, on, on their real estate that they were refinancing at 80% loan to value, which got them into really good mortgage payments. However, that didn't happen in 2006 is when that mm -hmm. bubble right? There was no 20% equity. Mortgages were doubling because now it wasn't interest only. Mm -hmm. And these people, in, in essence, were not reporting their true income. They couldn't really afford it anymore. And so that's why we had the mortgage meltdown on a large scale. You know, it was just everyone across the board got easy mortgages. And then and then there was no equity to refinance in. And of course, if they weren't reporting their true income and true assets, they didn't truly have the funds to back up and support them in their home ownership journey. What's different nowadays, or what I would say fast forward, is the government really has had a lot more control of you know, the way mortgage loans, it's under stringent guidelines. So you know, you'll have you in most cases, you know, you'll have first time home buyers, which is 3% down payment. So those would be, I would say, the ones that are closest to maybe where their equity or, or their value of their house is close to what they owe. And then in other cases, you have some people that are 10 to 20% down. So they are sitting on equity. But okay. what's different is you don't know what their circumstance is. Yeah. So whether they were completely wiped out because of the pandemic and they had to shut down their business even if they have, say, for instance, 10 to 20% equity, they're not able to make their mortgage payments and the moratorium will end. So let's just say it ends in September, right? It ends in September. Now, you know, I mean, unless Biden extends it, but I can't imagine the banks being able to go past 18 months without getting these payments. Yeah. So now you're faced with, what do I do? At least you have equity, right? But the thing is, now you're forced to either sell or figure out. And if you don't have the income to make the mortgage payments, you're forced to sell in that case, right? But you have equity, so that's good. So you're not going to see, in some cases, a short sale because there's equity. Mm -hmm. But you will see, and you will see properties going on the market. Now, what I encourage people to do is, if you are in that situation right now, I wouldn't encourage. I would encourage you to already seek what your options are because once September hits and everyone's in that position, now you're going to end up going on the market with more competition, 
Whereas right now you have yeah. a lot of equity. This, that does not make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a seller's market. So it's, I'm not, you know, of course I want for everyone to be able to save their home and be able to make those mortgage payments. And if six months gives you enough time to really reconcile and figure out what you're going to do, then that's great. But if you really don't know and it's unclear for you because maybe your industry was wiped out, your business was wiped out, I encourage you right now to go find your your specialist in your area and at least seek your options. And the first thing to do is probably call your lender. Well, let's go off of what you just said there because, um, and we'll keep going. I, mean, I know, I know that was a lot though. No, but this is great. Yeah. It's really good for you. Yeah, audience. no, this is definitely really good too. And I'm going to kind of chime in on just thoughts throughout this too, just because right now, if they do go do kind of, you know, their due diligence and figure out, okay, maybe I should sell now before this wave of people trying to sell and get out happens. And then I'm getting a lower amount. Cause right now is probably the best time to sell uh, yes. very high demand uh, prices are, you know, not through, I mean, but prices are good for everybody. There's a lot of opportunity for sellers because there's just no inventory. Mm-hmm. The problem that everybody's having now, though, and is where where do I go after I sell? That's mm-hmm. the common question you're seeing, which creates a low inventory environment because things are expensive. Okay, I can't build because construction costs are a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, I use me as a real life example. I deal with it every day is I just had a lady call me today. We built their house a year and a half ago. Costs were a lot less when we built it then. Uh, this is Florida costs, may I add, people listening to this were a little more expensive <laughs> where I'm at, but 2,300 square foot house, they ended up paying about 825000 Today, they would be around 950000 to build that exact same home that they did. This is a custom home. It's not a track production home. It's a custom home. Okay. Yes, it's smaller, but there is custom finishes inside. So that just shows you the gap. And so now in, in her mind, she was like, wow, costs have gone up. Uh, 100,000, you know, Mm -hmm. is that still worth it? Am I going to, you know, so you're running into these things of, all right, well, what else should I do? I can sell that. And she even said this, she goes, well, I can sell the house that I built with you guys. And how much do you think I can get? I said, well, there's a comparable house that just was on the market that sold for 1.7 million. Um, Smaller than yours, older. I go, so you can at least probably get a million eight fifty. So, she, you know, in her mind, she's like, wow, I can take that premium, but now where do I go? You know, because yeah. if I build now, there's no lots left for me to buy. The lots are even more money than when they bought at 350000 for a canal. Now she's going to have to pay close to 500000 So it's like you, you're getting all these aspects. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's different here than everywhere else, obviously, but it's similar situations, just maybe lower amounts or same amounts or even higher amounts. You're seeing this to where people are, okay, where do I go from here? If I do sell, I can make a premium, but do I want to pay rent at a higher amount because it's going to be higher than my mortgage payment because I have such low interest and I'm going to get a rental, say my mortgage is 1700 then I go to a rental that's smaller, not as nice for 2200 Yep. You know, it's like, that's what you're running into. And that's the problem where I think everybody's hitting the brake and being like, well, I'm kind of stuck. You know what yep. I mean? No. And, and you're right. And everyone's situation is so unique because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, there are those people who are like, yeah, 
like, yeah, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to hang on to it because for them, they're okay getting into the rental because for them, if they're thinking, okay, if the market is going to soften, I'll just hang on to this, live like very, you know, live very either frugally or, and you're seeing that across the board. Even like savvy invest investors, whether it's stock markets or in real estate, they're liquidating right now because yeah. the market is high. Yeah. The market is high. People have this tendency to think like, oh, you know, you know, and here's here's the irony of it all. There's a lot of buyers that want in because now they're in they're in places they uh, because of the low interest rate, they are in sales prices that they wouldn't normally be in. Mm-hmm. So, but remember, there's a market for everyone. So do you pay the higher price with the lower interest or do you wait and pay a little bit higher on the interest and a lower amount? Yeah. It just depends on your situation. What's really, another thing that's really unique right now is the fact that, you know, like I said, there's a mass exodus of California because what's happening is everyone's being able to log in from anywhere. So what mm-hmm. they're doing is not paying either the high mortgages or the high rents in Los Angeles and moving out to the suburbs, or in some cases, moving out of state because they can log in from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like I said, so many things are so unique and you and I are being asked on such a, on, on a daily basis, but our, each of our clients are very unique, mm-hmm. you know? So what you want to think about is where do you think life is going to take you in the next few years? Right. How stable is your job? What do you honestly really want to do? Could you really, you know, do you absolutely love your job? Does it require you to be either home base or to commute to somewhere closer? Cause those are also factors that are driving my local market. Los Angeles doesn't seem to be affected by, you know, in terms of like might not even be seem to be affected even if the moratorium lifts because there's such a high demand to live in Los Angeles simply because everything's there. Big corporations are there and people are still making really good money. So that's why I'm saying I can't just speak for Los Angeles and that's the case with the board. It's not. I mean, there's corporations that are up and leaving California, moving to Texas. There's so many moving factors that are that are in place. But you'll also understand when you do a lot of these statistics and you read them, you'll start to see the cities. And what's interesting, I know that, you know, we mainly focus on residential, but a big thing that I look at, too, is multifamily commercial units, because those are some of those those owners of big investment properties are in default. And they're in default for for these big apartments where these people are renting. So it's interesting. And Florida, I I think Florida was one on there. I don't know specifically what county, but Florida is another big state where everyone's going to be migrating to because in terms of rental market, because the weather is good. You know what I mean? You know, you have your snowbirds going down and they're going to say, well, heck, like if I can go move down to Florida with, you know, really affordable rents, the weather is really good. You're going to start seeing everyone in the Northeast start gravitating down to Florida. So you might not even be a market that might be affected. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it might still continue to be really good for you because now you're getting people from New York. Mm-hmm. Like Pennsylvania is going through a big default in multifamily. And I just visited Philadelphia. I just came back yesterday from Philadelphia. And I was actually shocked when I listened to one of the real estate experts that they're going through a big default market right now. Wow. Here, the thing is, statistics don't lie. And if, yeah. and if there are, like, what was the last statistics? There was about 2 million homes that were in default um, as of last month. That's across the board. Now, of course, there's going to be some areas that have more defaults than others. 
that you're going to have to get with your local real estate agent or do the statistics because your title will know exactly how, you know, what your county is, who the defaults are. And in some cases they are public, you know, they're public knowledge. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be up to you guys, the audience, whether you're a homeowner, a buyer, an investor to do the deeper research based upon what fits your, your lifestyle right now. But I'm just giving you hints and dropping things of maybe the way your thought process should be. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or what things to pay attention to. Yeah. And this, and, and it's huge what you're, what you're saying too. Do you see, so let's say come September and, and you start seeing this kind of downfall where people start having to list homes more and more and more values start dropping because there's such a heavy amount of houses hitting the market do you see a domino effect for the whole entire market as far as the country in general uh, trickling into other markets as well as far as the stock market and in other um, certain markets that people are involved in uh, obviously there's people involved in cryptocurrency stocks mm-hmm. there's people involved in real estate there's people involved in uh, sports cards like myself. There's people involved in. I mean, there's so many different personal assets. Personal development. Yeah, personal development. All kinds of things, right? So, do you see that kind of roll over and as like a domino effect? I'll start there into other markets. Like, say, you know, Florida. Obviously, they say there's like a thousand people a day moving here. But as things open up, people start getting back to normal. Is that going to slow down the drive to Florida? Uh, and then also with this thing mm-hmm. happening in September, is that going to, you know, and, and homes start popping back up at an, a little bit more affordable pricing. Uh, you know, the feds already come out and said they're not going to raise rates really anymore. Yeah. Uh, so there's, you know, that you got that factor that rates are going to stay low. So does this all trickle mm-hmm. down? Does it have a universe, you know, not a universe, but a countrywide effect? Do you see that happening? I think, I mean, altogether, yes, but you're, what, what I would say is to stay, pay attention to the big markets like Los Angeles, right? The and, and this is more. what I, yeah, the big, you know, like the big cities, because the big cities is where a lot of investors will gravitate to in terms of a commercial, like com- commercial multifamily units, because when they want to buy like, uh, you know, maybe a hundred units, they want to make sure they can rent it. They want to make sure that it's going to be occupied. And if you're going to buy 100 units and you get this awesome deal and it's like in Timbuktu, who's going to rent if you have 100 units? And then now you're going to lower, you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. So big real estate investors are focusing on like metropolitan areas like that. That's where they're looking to get these grab these really great deals, you know. So but on an even just larger scale, like all the things that are happening that, the you know, like that, that are coming into place, the raising of the minimum wage. You know, that's, I don't know if you've ever, you know, $15. Mm-hmm. Now that's great for the person that was making the minimum wage, but who as a business owner can sustain $15 an hour, not small business owners, only big corporations, mm-hmm. right? So those are going to be like your big metropolitan areas that are going to have big corporations that, you know, that have those people, you know, that, that are able to pay that, that income to, to those people. And then you also have the trillion, you know, two trillion dollar printout, two 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 trillion dollar yeah. printout that we have that's going to contribute to inflation. You are directly affected by that. I mean, you saw how much your cost went up in building. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, and I just wanted to ask you on a side note, did your cost in building go up because the demand became high because, because with the shutdown, there was less production on everything? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that more than anything on top of Canada. I mean, lumber prices are through the roof. That's throughout the whole entire country right now. And we used to get a lot of timber out of Canada. And now Canada has been shut down completely for as far as lumber. So now you're seeing 50 plus dollars for a sheet of plywood and 10 plus dollars for two by four, which is crazy. So it's just then other materials up, obviously, as demand happens too, uh, you know, you have your subcontractors, labor prices start to climb a little Mm bit. Uh, You know, you got to keep them from getting too greedy. And then also, but their material costs because material they're using so much material goes up as well. You know, stucco, yeah. uh, lumber, less roof materials, uh, windows, doors, all that stuff's crept up. So it, now it's like, and it keeps going up. And it's like, how much can we push the limit? Because it's it's a domino effect down. Mm-hmm to the client basically because it's the suppliers then they obviously supply the our subcontractors buying the material our subcontractors are selling it to us as the builder we're building the house customers got to pay the builder so it's a you know kind of that trickle effect so when is that going to stop i don't see it anytime soon because demand's so high it's nuts i get two three four calls a day to build a house emails everything it's just and now it's coming to the point where we're kind of picking and choosing who's the right fit for us to work with as a luxury builder. Yeah. We're, we can't work with everybody. So it's, it's yeah. in the building world, we always say, get it while you can, because mm-hmm. it never lasts forever. So, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and that's, yeah. And do you now, do you preface that with your, you know, your, your future clients? Like the cost is going up because of so many different factors. It is a tr- you might not feel it immediately in in different industry, but you will across the board. We will, mm-hmm. you know, things are dramatically going to change. And I don't. And I think as we're coming, you know, full well, not full circle, I should say, as we're turning the big boat, like now you're going to start to see things. But it does take a while before we start seeing the effects of what maybe decisions were made for us now, or just when the new administration came in. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I, what I fear too is if we're having, and because we're starting to see some issues in certain areas as far as getting material, um, appliances are coming in at different times now when we used to all get, get them at the same time. So you're starting to see, I mean, little things, garbage disposal, stuff like that, certain faucets and fixtures, uh, just, Things are coming in differently now. So it makes you think, okay, what about a year from now? Where are we going to be? Because demand's not slowing down anytime soon. It's only increasing. So, and yet we're still not really getting anything from China. We're still Mm -hmm. not getting anything from Canada. Uh, South America, they have their issues too. So it's it's like, okay, what's going to happen a year from now? Yeah. You know, and I kind of it's obviously setting the expectation with clients. They know this. I mean, COVID, we tell them, obviously there's been supply issues with that because everything is kind of COVID related to now, but the demand too is just insane to where where we're at in Florida. So it's just everywhere. I mean, I talk to builders all over the country and Mm -hmm. in the suburbs everywhere. They're just crazy. Yeah. Everybody fleeing the cities. Yeah. I can only imagine. And then you're at the mercy of how these countries operate. On their on their COVID rules, 
Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, it's, it's, it's insane. Like, you know, it's interesting how, how everything we're just, you know, we're moving and trying to move at, at, you know, at the rate that everyone else is trying to, and it, and it, we really, I mean, and just everyone just needs to be what I, what I want to say is just, I know with the chaos and frenzy of everything, you know, we're not, this by no means is trying to scare you. It's just trying to give you more information. So you see things from maybe even a perspective you might not have looked. So that at least when I give you my advice or Bill gives you his advice from Florida and California, you're understanding our thought process and how we're looking at things. So then we can advise our clients and Bill, you come from home building. I come from residential retail. So mm. the factors you face are much different from the factors that I, yeah. I face. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, we're both in really great markets right now. It's just, I, you know, a lot of people are saying this market is just so good. You can't, you know, like it doesn't seem feasible. I mean, or it doesn't seem possible that a bubble is, well, that's exactly what we came from in, in the mortgage meltdown. Something like everyone was, you know what I mean? There was even movies done on it. The big short, everyone thought nothing would end. And all of a sudden it came to a screeching halt because people were not looking at statistics and the hard facts will tell you some things, you know? And they're still not doing it today, too. I mean, if you look at the statistics and what's actually going on, yeah, there has to be a slow. It can't continue. It's like the stock market. It's gone up and up and up and up. So every what goes up must come down. It's reality. It's what happens. History repeats itself. Mm -hmm. But a correction, not so much a crash, but a correction is always a good thing. Now, where we get off uh, or out of tune as far as corrections is with the media. The media likes mm -hmm. to really you know, pry in that a correction is a problem. I'll, you know, you go on, let's say CNBC and there's, there's a stock market pullback or a sell-off. What do you see? All you see is red all over mm -hmm. the channel, things flashing, all the, all the guys speaking about the stocks are saying, oh, this is where that Dow is down this much, this much, and this much. They don't really mention how long it's climbed up for and how much money was yeah. made for, you know, they just say, oh, they're never throwing there. confetti when yeah. it is. <laughs> I mean, so many people have made a ton of money over the last five, six, seven years in the stock market because all it has really done is go gone up and up and up. Yeah, you've mm -hmm. had your corrections here and there. When COVID first hit, it went down quite a bit, but it's recorrect and it's went all the way past where it was before. So it's like with real estate, obviously real estate's been on a steady climb too. Okay, there needs to be a pullback because obviously it's priced people out of the market. Our market's already priced people out of it. You know, mm -hmm. it's a different world. We have a lot of cash-heavy buyers right now coming down. It's, it's a lot of money being spent, a lot of big houses being built now on the luxury end. And, it, and the lot values and everything going up as much as they are have priced quite a few people. I was dealing with a guy, he just emailed me uh, and uh, he emailed me. He's like, Hey, I haven't heard from you and blah, blah, blah. He's like, seems like the market's crazy down there. I go, you haven't really heard from me because there's no properties that have gone up in your price or come on the market in your price range in a long time, mm -hmm. you know? And he goes, yeah, I understand that this and that I'm starting to look up at Cape Coral which is north of us, which is a lot less value, but the properties don't sell as well down up there too. So he got yeah. priced out of this market and starting to go up more north on Florida on our coast and property values are less, but they're a lot more than what they were too. So 
it's just crazy seeing kind of that effect. We all know it's going to have to pull back at some point when maybe it is in September, like you're saying, uh, and is it going to be a bad one? I don't know. That's, that's opinion and people do their research and so on. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's important to do that and stay kind of in tune of what the market is. Cause you know, there's a lot of realtors too, that think this market's just going to keep going and it's not going to stop. But it's like, did you, do you remember 2005? Do you remember like, you know, may not be that bad, but with all the craziness and inflation and, and price and bidding wars and all this certain stuff that's going on, it's like, it's got to slow down at some point. Yeah. No, and it's, in, it's interesting because I, you know, I never knew when our market, my, our expertise, like our specialty would come up and the pandemic, you know, it, it didn't do it instantly, but I'm telling you when I, when I took my refresher courses in the summer of 2020, even, even the, um, the instructor was saying the, the government knows that there is not in that the amount of, you know, the amount of forbearances will not be able to, uh, even with, because of the unforeseen circumstance, you know, the pandemic, there's not going to, it's not going to be able to sustain itself. Like it will give. And even just in my local like neighborhood, I even saw a short sale already in the fourth quarter of 20, I mean, 2020. So I mean, it's kind of interesting. This market is super hot, yet you're going to see a, a short sale because yeah. it leads to the ind- individual, like what their what their uh, circumstance was, and it could be a one off. It could have just been they happen to have a property in this market, and I, I I can't tell. Like for me, until I get closer to that time is when I I will pull the local stats for for my county. But right now, what I'm even seeing a shift in is there's going to be not so much maybe foreclosures that like hit the market the way it did in the market meltdown. But what I'm seeing is going to be a lot more pre-foreclosure negotiations. So you're going to get a lot more savvy, savvy um, sellers that are going to be more like, let me go through the process first. Let me, let me be informed because, you know, I mean, we, that was such a big market to come from there. A lot of us still have had, you know, a lot of us were in that market or have experienced it. So, and the banks are more equipped to handle it now. Meaning to say they'll have their loss mitigation departments ready because, I mean, it wasn't that much long ago that they, you know, people have had to gravitate out of that industry a little bit. But now in unforeseen circumstance, everyone's like, oh, it's amazing how like overnight everyone was already reaching out to my family like, well, where do you you guys see this market going? Uh, We didn't even in, in March, we didn't even foresee that interest rates would keep going lower that real estate would just keep climbing that was that was a big shock for I, I would say myself and maybe a lot of agents too you know across the board yeah and it's the the thing is the way i i like you said there in my market i've seen from personal experience a lot of because i've gotten the phone calls i think there is a lot of over leveraging going on in a lot of different areas a lot of people you know, when times are good, everybody has a little bit of money, this and that. They overextend. Interest rates are low. You know, it's cheap interest. I can afford that. Why not? You know, this and that. So they they pull out a loan. Uh, you know, maybe it takes them a while to get approved by that loan, but then they do it. Then they're like, okay, I got some cash. It's cheap money. Let me put it into a house in Florida. Oh, this house is a little more out of my price range, but eh, I can do it. And that's how that over leverage yeah. 
it starts happening and happening. And then when things come to a screeching halt, which they do, then that person's left high and dry. And it's happening in the building end too. There's builders. And I always warn people that I've said it on this podcast multiple times. There's builders building houses for, I don't even know how they're doing it or the, for prices that are just unheard of in my area. Mm -hmm. It just makes no sense how they can build for that amount and not put profit in, in their pot or and put profit in their pockets. And the only explanation to it is the back guy on the back end is going to get burnt or they're just charging the hell out of somebody at the end of the build. I don't know. It just makes no sense. They're $200 less a square foot than us, which is an extraordinary amount. And it's like for the cost they're charging, I couldn't even, do, I mean, you can probably just get away with doing walls. That's it. And maybe mm-hmm. a roof. So it makes you really think how many people are going with these specific builders. It's probably happening everywhere. Cause whenever times are good like this, uh, builders all come out of the woodworks. A lot of builders that disappeared come back cause they want to make the quick buck. They don't have a conscience. They don't mm-hmm. care. Uh, a lot of them don't, didn't get in trouble the last time. They're not going to get in trouble this time. And, and they usually flee after they take the money and run. So it's like, you're seeing this happen again history repeats itself people tend to forget the past and how it worked because they get caught up in the moment they get caught up in the fear of missing out the FOMO moment Mm -hmm. too that they don't want to miss out on this and then all of a sudden that bubble does burst and they're left high and dry so that's what you kind of I mean I'm seeing now in this craziness out of some 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 parts but not all I mean like I said there's a lot of cash coming down this way too lot of cash buyers and so on but it's just somebody's going to be left holding you know i forget the saying with it but there's somebody that's going to be just left high and dry that just gets screwed or some people and it's a trickle effect that happens every time when you know could be coming up like you said and that when one thing happens it's a it's an effect it's a domino effect and it just takes you know it's only a matter of time and then here we are in a crash or a crappy uh, market. So. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it's so hard to even fathom that industries were wiped out. I mean, I was just listening to, like I told you, Ken McElroy, and he was, his most recent uh, release on his, on his YouTube was talking about the K, you know, the K-shaped recovery. So yeah. if, if there are, it's what's interesting, right? Because you usually have a U or a V, he's talking about a K. There's some industries that are completely plummeting and some that are just skyrocketing, which is so unique in history. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we can sit here and like, like I said, like we can hash out like what our, what our expertise is, but even me being so, uh, being so uh, well-versed with even specialized assets, I even know that this market coming up is different. Like yeah. I said. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, you're fortunate because not very many people got to learn that or represent banks. And I am. There's a very heavy market to deal with. Pre-foreclosures and short sales, you're dealing with people that have lost their homes, their businesses. Then you're trying to equate that into a package you're going to present to the bank. You know what I mean? And then I'm here representing the sale of the home, trying to see which is the best buyer. And then, of course, the bank is trying to say, did you represent the, the property properly by you know um, giving it the right price? Because now you're going to start seeing people because you know, it's a short sale situation to try and, you know, bring it completely down. And everyone in the neighborhood is going to get pissed off because everyone's like, I'm losing my equity overnight. Yeah. 
you know? So it's really unique times we're in. It's, it's, it really is. Yeah. And with the, all the money being printed too, it's just, it's, it can't sustain. There's so much cash mm-hmm. being printed and it's like, then you're seeing these alternative investments and then people moving money out of stocks and liquidating into real estate because they feel it's more secure, but is it? And then it's like, or am I going to put it in cryptocurrency, which went down three years ago and completely dove after, you know, a ton of people got burnt there too. So then Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, where am I going to put my money? There's always a bubble and everything. There's always, it's just, when is it going to burst? And, you know, and is, are we here now? I don't know. Is this going to keep going? I talked to a realtor the other day. He thinks we got another two years before anything bad happens here in this general area. So, uh, you know, and that was his opinion on it. He's like, I don't see this slowing down just with the interest rates, the way they're going to, you know, sustain themselves. It's like a cash heavy market. Uh, There's so much demand for people trying to move down in this general area and they can't find houses and, you know, builders are selling for a hundred thousand to 150,000 more than what the house sold, uh, just 90 days ago. Like it's crazy. And, and that was, and, but that was the situation in 2005, 2006. Yeah. <laughs> like literally overnight. And, uh, and many people did not feel that effect until 2008, but it really started in 2006. We landed our first foreclosure account in August of 2007. Okay. And it was, you know, we were fortunate because my mom had come from another market, a, a short tail market where out for us, like um, McDonald Douglas had massive layouts in our layoffs in our area where we, you know, where we live. So them specifically, like in the Cerritos, Southern Cerritos, Long Beach area of Southern California, there were mass, there was a mass number of people who could not afford their mortgages simply because they were part of aerospace. Then she could, then when we, you know, of course there was a little bit of that market. Then we came across the big market. Everything was high, but you know, of course, if you're, you know, my mom, she had already seen a different market. She was looking at things. You're you, now like what you're saying, you're getting approached by more people saying, mm, I might wait. I might wait. Well, yeah. what's their reasoning behind waiting? If enough people just wait, there's something to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, uh, what, like we talked about, you're starting to kind of see, okay, this market's too crazy. I think I'm going to wait a year and see where, or do you think I should wait till summer? Or how do you think it's going to be in the fall? Do you think there'll be more inventory? I'm getting asked all these different questions constantly. Where do you see a year from now? And it's like, if I had that crystal ball, I'd help you. I mean, I want people to be as safe with their money as possible. I always explain to people it's a different world down here. It really is. Mm-hmm. We're the lot of waterfront. Um, you know, waterfront is prime in any kind of real estate transaction. When the last crash happened, we recovered a lot faster down here just because the property is so unique. Yeah. That's the difference versus somewhere else in the middle of the country. So it's just the more unique something is, the better, the faster the recovery is, and especially in the cash heavy area too. money, income, all that kind of stuff factors into different situations. But if a crash does happen, things go down. It's going to happen. It's going to happen everywhere. Uh, it's a trickle effect down, down the line. And it's like, you know, is it going to be as heavy as before? Probably not. Like you said, because I think hopefully a lot of people learn their lessons, mm-hmm. but then again, there aren't, there are people 
that haven't and they forget about that past time because yeah. it was many years ago and they get stuck in the moment like we talked about where things are crazy right now and on fire and they're like this can't slow down yeah you know? and and you know another thing too that i wanted to mention was what i'm seeing that's different is in you know like in 2005 2006 there was a great barrier to entry as an investor right because if you did have a lot of, you know, like maybe funds that you could invest, some people were, you know, kind of taking advantage of maybe a single family residence home in like, for me, what would be called the high desert that they could buy. But now you're getting people, capital investors, pooling their money together and having more buying power. Mm-hmm. And as an individual investor, it's getting hard to enter the market because you're getting bought out by, you know, you're competing now with large capital investment groups you know, or, you know, people that have pooled their money together. So what I wanted to tell you were like syndicate deals are becoming more popular yeah. right? and, and pooling your funds together and becoming an investment group, as opposed to you trying to be like, Oh, a flipper, you know, a flipper, mm-hmm. because there's risk in that too, you know, and then you're the only one. I mean, it's do or die for you. It, you know, it used to be fun back in the day, but now you're just like, Oh, do I, do I have the wherewithal to do it by myself? Yeah. There's so many different factors that, you know, that are changing as time changes. Yeah. Yeah. People are becoming a little bit more, I mean, they've learned different strategies and becoming a little bit more smart with their money too. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's like, you know, it's hard to predict. It's hard to predict where this is going. I mean, a difference too, I think this time around, especially where I'm at is, and I've spoke to other realtors about this is the difference is more people are buying to stay rather than buying for investment and to flip. So back in 2005, things were sold, bought and sold, bought and sold, bought and sold. Now people are just buying. Uh Yeah. People are just buying and they're staying and they're just buying whether they're going to rent it or they're going to just be snowbirds. That's their, or they're going to stay here for good and move to Florida. So yeah. you're seeing seeing that difference too. So that's going to have kind of a different effect in the long run, I think, too. So should let be me, interesting. Let me ask you, Bill. Did in you know, like, because for us, maybe in the years of like 2000, maybe maybe starting 14, 15, all the way to maybe 17, 18, there was a big surge of foreign investors buying mm-hmm. homes here in Southern California, and they were buying them cash which literally made real estate skyrocket and priced out so many Amer- you know, Amer- just Americans. Did you guys have kind of something similar to that happen? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had a lot of foreign investors at a certain point, obviously not recently yeah. that kind of went away. A lot of them have sold to, uh, you know, they actually sold recent uh, some, some that I know because they couldn't come to the properties. They were stuck. Overseas, oh, so, overseas. Okay. so they sold and obviously took good amount of money for the properties. Wow. Yeah. Because there's speculation too, that they're going to, they're going to open up to foreign investors again. And then that's another, <laughs> that's another thing to pay attention to. Yeah. So there's so many different factors. Hopefully we didn't confuse everyone. <laughs> we touched on so many things, but it, it's good to know these things. You know, some people would now just want to think like, Oh, it's not just a feeling I have because the interest rates stay low. Like know your statistics, know, you know, know your areas really well, like do your due diligence, 
kids to research. And it's not hard, you know, you just go on Google or DuckDuckGo, whatever, you, you know, your search engine is. And, you know, you just start, you know, start with the, your searches first and, and know your local communities. And then, of course, more than ever, know your own personal situation. Just be really savvy with your, your situation. Yeah, I mean, we're in no means to give financial advice to anybody, but it's just if you study and actually listen and learn and are willing to learn, too, I mean, people appreciate your opinion on stuff, too. I mean, that's what we're in this business to do is give an opinion, not not state facts because nobody can state the facts of what's going to happen in the future besides the man upstairs. But it's just, it's like, you know, it's, we don't know. I mean, that's the thing. And I, I try and give my two cents of, you know, but I also listen to people too and listen to what their opinions are on it and, and see, and it's just, you got to stay open-minded with it. Uh, you know, you can't think you can't fear, uh, everything is going to collapse, uh, and you can't you can't just hide in a corner. You still got to live. Um, yeah. I'm a big advocate on that, but you also got to be smart about it too. I mean, it's like Warren Buffett 101: buy low, sell high. I mean, are yes. you going to buy in a buy? <laughs> are you going to buy in a high market right now? I right. personally wouldn't. I bought at the beginning of COVID. Because while people ran, I went in and I got a better deal on my property. And now I can sell this house within less than a year for a hundred and something thousand plus more than I bought it for. It's crazy. Yes. But due to capital gains, I can't do that. So. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, and like I said, like if you if you if you had an audience that was interested and maybe wanted to touch more on and specifics, because like I said. Another thing to pay attention to, I believe, might be a big pre-foreclosure market. But a lot, what I'm saying is when I say pre-foreclosure market, a lot of people trying to do back-end deals, mm-hmm. you know, meaning to say like, you know, um, and I, this might actually come from an investment perspective, like, you know, finding some of those uh investors that are underwater and you know they have equity so you're trying to cut a deal with them and trying to minimize their losses so i think that those are a few things you know if or or like like i said whatever whatever you your audience audience seems to be interested in you know i'm happy to always give my my feedback or whatever yeah no i'm definitely gonna have i'm definitely gonna have you on again in the future because we should do a follow-up episode closer yeah. closer to <laughs> what did our crystal ball predict yeah, right? see how see how we did because this has been great too i mean we we there's even the commercial side of things too obviously in florida where i'm at commercial is a little bit different because it's been pretty open for a while now versus mm-hmm. everywhere else where there's a lot of shutdowns and stuff businesses have closed for good and especially in cities like new york city and so on um has paid its toll on people as well so i mean that's that's a whole nother discussion as well um obviously we're getting to about an hour here i want to hit on i always do these questions because they're important i go into you a little more personally Uh, yeah so i want to i always ask this question to kind of finish off things too so what about you personally you have built an amazing company and your brand and your podcast you continue it continues to grow every single day so what lessons have you learned throughout your journey that we could all apply to our own business or lives that can help us grow you know, and you no, know, absolutely. Thank you so much. You know, it's, it's been quite a journey on all levels. And, 
And building a brand and building a business doesn't, it also comes with sometimes failing in it, you know what I mean? Or, or going through the different lessons you have to do for growth. So my biggest thing that I would say is always, you know, Bill, you and I are big on personal development and mm-hmm. it seems to be the fuel right now that always creates a better business, a better you, a better. So what I would say is if you, if you haven't had a chance or you're going through, you know, certain things, you know, the best investment, like what you're saying is yourself. I've in the last year, I would say year and a half, I've invested so much more in myself and it's paid back in leaps and in leaps and bounds. You know why? Because when I became good to myself and I became a better person, I became better to other people. And when I'm better to other people, I became a good business person to other people. You know, you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you give the best deals, you give the best advice, you're acting out of integrity. And so from there, the returns come back tenfold. And and it's not even like you're trying to do it to make money. It just comes back because who you are as a person shows. So I would say in all of this, work on yourself the most because you know, you never know. Like I said, a pandemic can wipe out your career and your business and you might have to start all over again. But what you what you really what you really have at the end of the day is who you are as a person. So and if you're able to understand things from a certain perspective, you're able to navigate through life's problems much faster. So yeah. start with, you know, start with that. Start yeah. with personal development. It, it eventually it goes into a faith-based thing because you also understand that there's a higher power that sometimes governs you. Like that's where faith comes in, right? It's like not knowing or being able to see something with your own eyes, but knowing that it is a better tomorrow. So I would say in a lot of the lessons, um, my biggest, the biggest thing that I would have to, to say as a great advice is start with personal development. From there, you, you'll, you know, you, there's an inner guidance system inside you that will know the answers and the way to grab in, and the way to navigate through life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're preaching my language, you know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said, because I mean, it all starts with yourself. I mean, not to sound cliche or do the, you know, but it, it really does because when you really focus on yourself and work on yourself, that's the most important thing because it really branches out in all aspects surrounding you in so many different ways. So it just, everything works and it just keeps on going and going in so many positive ways too. You're always going to have your bumps in the road, but if you're a positive person, you can, you can get past Mm -hmm. that a lot faster. And I've noticed that too. And it's just, you can face things head on a lot better as well too, just the confidence and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You don't sit in that lower vibration of like constant, like either depression or lack of self-worth. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you can almost get through anything in life if who you are inside is solid, but it Mm -hmm. it takes work to get there. You know what I mean? It takes work. Sometimes it's a series of events in, in, in your life that happen. But, um, I, you know, I promise, and I know you will back me up on this, that if, you work on yourself, like so many things will turn around. You'll see uh, things in front of your eyes that will start to change. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. It's just, it, it helps so many different ways too. And there's no, I mean, there's no cap on probably what I'd spend on self-development. Obviously mm-hmm. you got to be able to eat and drink and, you know, <laughs> and have some water, but I mean, there's just spending money on yourself and into your personal self and learning and constantly growing. It's probably one of the best things I've done. And I'm sure you can 
testify that obviously and say mm-hmm. the same thing because it's so yeah. important. So love that answer. I'm a hundred percent with you on that or, one. And I want to add something to you, you know, yeah. you and I touch it and I actually practice it. I see the week, you know, depending on where you are in life and you're going through a lot, you know, we talk about, you know, in, in, in personal development can become expensive depending on the courses. But like I said, there, there's great resources, like either social media, there's some great teachers on there that have, you know, they post, there's books you can read, there's you a lot too. of different things. And when you tune yourself out of like the fear-based news and, and media, and like sometimes, I, mean, I hate to say like, you know, mainstream media, but sometimes that's all, it, you know, that's what it is. And you tune into more reflection it does start to shift everything for you because the more you concentrate on fear and all your problems, the more problems and fear you're going to have. Yeah. I've seen it with myself. I mean, I, I, whenever I'd watch and get on kicks with why, and I'll use the news as an example because it's the most, one of the most negative things ever. It's on everywhere, everywhere you go, it's on at the gym, it's on. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've caught myself getting sucked into it and watching it and, and just like, it's all, it, it like, take, then you see it all over your phone and social media. And it's just you, everywhere you turn, there's something negative that pops up and it really absorbs a lot of your time without you noticing it. But it also motivation and you thinking of things that outcomes that may, may not happen. Uh, you know, you start thinking of things like in the future, where's the future going to be? Okay. If this president gets in, let's use this as an example you know, this president gets in, everything's going to go to, you know, go to hell and the economy is mm-hmm. going to tank and this and that. And it's like, you start processing this in your brain, even though it's not going to happen, you make it seem like it's mm-hmm. going to happen. And then it reflects on what you actually do in life and your business too. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's that effect that, you know, you overthink everything we don't know the outcome of what's going to happen. I mean, the best thing we can do is work on ourselves, keep a positive attitude and just mm-hmm. shift, be on yeah. a pivot, be ready to shift. If COVID hit, we had to make, we had to make different pivots to, to better our business that way. Um, the best part thing you could have done is probably got online and did more social media and yep. content too, because so many eyes were in front of the computer. So it's just, Thinking positive, keeping your head on a swivel, just whatever, being able to react to the times and what goes next. I mean, and just stay a positive mindset and just try and, you know, do the best you can possible. Times are going to be hard. It's business 101. It's life. Uh, It's just how you overcome it and get through it. And you don't Mm -hmm. just put your head down and hide in a corner, you know? So it's, you know, it's a big thing. So Love that answer. Another thing too, I always ask about your past. Let's hear about your future. So where will we see Lisa Florida in five, 10, 15 years? Who will you be? Who will I be? That's a great question. Actually, you know, I I never knew that I, you know, going well, going into the family business, I would be in it, but it seems to be something that is like, you know, I I end up loving the business. So I will always be of contribution either through teaching in the real estate realm. You know, my whole family will be in it, whether my brother runs it or whether I choose to do it on, you know, on on a more full, not that I'm not full time, I am full time. But with the podcast being the premise of like inspirational stories, really, Bill, I mean, like I've been starting to share this with a lot of people. Ultimately, when the world opens up, I'd love to travel and actually share more of the story. I mean, we're sharing stories here in the United States. 
every, I mean, you know, everyone's got stories of what yeah. they had to overcome. I'd love to see that happen with the build of 8 billion, you know, whether it expands the brand and eventually some people have asked where, what I'd like to do. I've met some amazing filmmakers. I'd love to do some of the stories for 8 billion, just be more of a positive impact in this world, inspire others. So uh, like I said, real estate will always be the family business, but on a really, truly expanded part, I, I think I'd love to build the brand of 8 billion, you know, share more inspiring stories and really help people with personal development and like their spiritual growth. I love that. Yeah, I have no doubt about it. You will expand it and you that 8 billion will be a huge, huge <laughs> success. So um, I'll, right. I'll definitely be cheering for you on that one. I love what you're doing. Uh, last question, what this show's all about. What exactly do people need to look for when buying and selling a home? And why should they choose Lisa Florida as their real estate professional of choice? Even though we might have scared a lot of people. But <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, if you were if you tuned into most of this podcast and you made it to the very end, you'll know that there's so many moving moving factors in each in each space. What you want to do is, you know, definitely when you're looking for, you know, if you're if you're a seller and you're looking for someone to represent you, you know, interview people, like understand, you know, the depth of their knowledge and where, you know, like the questions that they ask you in order and feel comfortable with it. Like things, you know, what, what was the other question? What you should know when buying and selling a home? Yeah. What to look for when buying and selling a home and why should they choose you as their real estate professional of choice? Well, you know, I do want to say like as much as, and like I said, okay, if you're here in Southern California, please feel free to always give me a call. Uh, what, you know, my family and I pride ourselves on is truly the connection and the relationship that we build. So we sit down, we dive deep with you, we find out what your current situation is, whether you're looking to buy, whether you're looking to sell, and what your future plans hold for you. And so what we do is we try and set up a game plan for you. We try and guide you the best way that we know how based on the knowledge that we have. And like I said, we, we look to not just you use the the relationship as a transactional basis, but to build truly like long lasting relationships where you can come to us at any point and just feel, even ask questions if you need feedback, you know? Love it. Yeah, Lisa, this has been amazing. I'm glad I could return the favor and have you on. I mean, it's, it's I'm glad I had you on. This has been, this has been really good. A lot of great stuff facts everything that i know you you're professional on this this side of things too we didn't mean to scare you if you are listening because there's still opportunity out there as always uh it's just you know it was a great discussion to have obviously i'd love to have you on again we'll do a follow-up to this show as well uh and if anybody has questions in this audience please feel free to reach out to me or lisa anytime so where can they reach out to you and connect with you that's the most important thing and then also where's your podcast how can they find you there yes so i am on all social media platforms as so that i'm on linkedin instagram and facebook as lisa florida so that's l-i-z-a so like liza minnelli florida like the state um and then uh, you can also go on my podcast website, which would be www.8billionproject.com. And eight is spelled out. So it's E-I-G-H-T. I'll, I'll forward all of this stuff to Bill so yeah. you can probably put it on the description. And then um, in about another week or so, I am actually officially launching lisaflorida.com. So it'll have the nice. whole brand of everything that I'm doing from real estate to the podcast to 
speaking and, and teaching. So that's going to be very exciting. I'm about a week out from launching that. You are staying busy. Good for you. (laughs) We have a whole world to save, Bill. Yes, (laughs) yes, we do. And we're starting with your podcast and now mine. We're saving the world. So now. Yeah, you think we do real estate, but we're disguised as realtors. That's true. Superheroes. That's what we are. So no, this Lisa, this has been this has been awesome. I really do appreciate you coming on. Obviously, everybody listening, thank you guys for listening as always. Two seconds. That's all it takes. Leave me a comment on iTunes. This is the best podcast in the world. And then also (laughs) five stars only because that's all it'll allow you to do, I hope. And then also uh, subscribe, like on YouTube. I appreciate everybody that listens to this show. Lisa, thank you for coming on. And I will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Real Build. And guys, if you would just take a little bit of your time to write a review below, I'd really appreciate it. It doesn't take long. Obviously, reviews are going to make this show be heard by more people. And that's what we need. We need to get this out there. So please write a review, share it with your friends and family. And thank you so much for everybody that's listening. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.